0: Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. Hollow Pleasure Part 6 by Jackal 54641 Chapter 12 The Office When did you last see them? Captain Graver folded his arms across his broad chest and leaned against the edge of the conference table. Galloway, Ethan and Danny sat in a nervous trio. Their faces were that of three kids that had been sent to the principal. Their expressions were masks of humility, shame, and anxiety. Not since this morning, Galloway admitted. The sun was starting to go down, and Hallie and her team still weren't back yet. The day had passed at a snail's pace. It had been torture waiting to hear anything back. And each hour that went by with no news only made their fears that much worse. No news meant bad news. Graver's face was neutral, eerily so. That through her. His handsome face was normally very sincere. Especially his large blue eyes. Kind eyes. They say that the eyes are a window to the soul, and with him, Galloway finally understood what that meant. Her captain had a terrible poker face. She had always been able to see the gears turning in his head, or see what was on his mind just from a simple glance. If he was pissed, upset, happy, or disappointed. It was obvious to her and everyone around her. But the other thing that he was known for was becoming oddly calm when things were at their worst. That transparency in his face clouded over, and there was nothing but a wall of what Galloway would describe as relaxed stoicism. Graver had always been that way, even when they were young. A life-and-death incident where uncertainty would cause Galloway to freeze, Graver would trudge into it without a care in the world and a follow-me. Everything is going to be all right approach. And that attitude always made Galloway feel better, always made her follow him. That was why she was glad he was now her boss. Like her, Graver had been another casino survivor from years ago. Back then, he'd been a broken man, sincere to his core, but that place had done a number on him mentally. He'd been fortunate enough to quit a few days before the incident. Galloway found herself gently rubbing the gunshot scar on her shoulder in remembrance of that ill-fated robbery attempt. But Graver had quit for different reasons that were no less traumatic. The wicked sickle shaped scar beside his left eye was proof of how unpredictable that job could be. Now that scar was crinkled ever so slightly as he pondered his next course of action. He didn't look angry. That bothered Galloway more than anything. God damn it, why couldn't he just get mad and yell at her? For men were missing because of her, including their boss and Graver's fiance. Hallie wasn't reckless. Her lack of communication, answering her phone, or checking in meant that something had happened. This whole op had gone off the rails. Their effort to seize Rob's computer and put an end to his control over the minds of his neighbors had fallen completely silent. That could only mean one thing. Rob had gotten to them. The implications ran deep. Galloway shivered to think that her friends and co-workers were now part of Rob's deviant harem, subjected to whatever perversion crossed his mind. The fact that Hallie, who Galloway looked up to and respected, was probably somewhere right now, dressed like a street whore and behaving like a depraved slut. Hallie was a cute woman. What kind of awful things was Rob making her do? How many filthy punks was she being forced to pleasure? Was Galloway actually getting turned on by that thought? She shook her head, ignoring the tingle between her legs. Graver was probably wondering the same thing. They had told him everything about Rob and that apartment. And while Graver hadn't said anything to the contrary— Galloway wasn't sure how much he believed them. All right, he said finally, his big arms still folded. We need to find them, that's for damn sure. But I'm not going to risk any more men. So we're going to do this ourselves. You're not pissed off at me? Galloway asked nervously. Part of her was sort of hoping for the tongue lashing. She was the cause of all of this, and she fully expected a punishment. You're not going to go off on me? How would that help? He cocked his eyebrow. She shrugged. It wouldn't, Graver said, then redirected them back to the issue at hand. It sounds like you're already made. So I'm going to go in and find my own answers. Take what you need from the armory and I want you waiting off the property but close enough that you can come to assist. If this guy really can do the things that he can, I want you out of sight, out of mind. I want him to assume you're far, far away and you aren't coming back. If you're in the building, he can work his magic and stop us. If you're a few blocks away on standby, you can back me up. Galloway looked at Danny and Ethan, sitting nervously by. Danny was chewing the drawstring of her hooded sweatshirt. Ethan flashed her an encouraging smile, though he looked just as afraid as she did. If we're doing this alone, there's so many things that can go wrong, you know. It already went wrong, Graver replied. I'll call you if I find anything, or subdue our suspect. If you don't hear from me in an hour, do whatever you feel is necessary. Bring in every unit we have. Bring in the municipal police. Captain Graver stood, casually stretched a kink from his neck, and started out of the room, his heavy boots thumping on the floorboards. This is a shitty idea, Ethan whispered nervously. Before he stepped out, Graver paused and glanced back at them. He threw them a little smile and a wink. Everything will be just fine, he said, then headed to the armory. His expression was still stoic and unreadable. Clearly... He was still in damage control mode, and that scared Galloway. The Connolly apartment Captain Graver found himself staring up at Galloway's apartment with a small needle of dread. He had seen it before but had never really looked at it. The first impression that it made was one of grandness. It loomed over the street with its large porch, its turret and spires, and intricate Victorian fixtures. It knocked your socks off to see something so historic. But once that initial impression wore off, it just looked ugly. The beauty was hollow, because behind that facade, it held dark and dirty secrets. The night did nothing to quash those feelings. The orange glow of the street lamps reflected from its dark surface, making the building appear drab. Lights were on inside. And from the third-floor turret windows, orange flicker-flamed Halloween candles, and a flashing strobe light gave the impression of a mad scientist hard at work. And maybe there was. Graver didn't like that. The lights on upstairs meant something and it couldn't be good. He glanced at the street one last time. Somewhere a few blocks back, Galloway and the kids were waiting. They were his backup, and that also made him uneasy. Galloway was a formidable force, and he trusted her. But she was also looking out for Ethan and Danny. True, they were both over eighteen and college aged, but given their lack of training, and their fear, it was hard to see them as anything but frightened kids. As much as he wanted to send them someplace safe— They were his lifeline and he needed all the help he could get. Not wanting to stall any longer, he climbed the front steps. The hallway was dark and quiet. There was an innocence about it that made Graver momentarily second-guess everything. For a brief moment, he considered if it was really Galloway who'd gone off the deep end. Things like mind control were completely fictitious. And the reality was, he was standing in the middle of an apartment hallway in combat gear, fatigues and boots. Graver was aware that he looked slightly out of place. He was grateful he'd had the presence of mind to throw a field jacket on to help conceal his pistol. He moved past the first sets of apartment doors 1A on the right, 1B on the left, and continued deeper. He tried to keep his footfalls light, but the thin carpet runner did very little. The floorboards creaked and protested with each step he took, sounding incredibly loud. He had made it as far as the base of the staircase before a door opened behind him. Oh shit! He swore to himself. Oh! A girl was standing there, looking startled by his appearance. She couldn't have been much older than eighteen or nineteen. She was cute. Short and pale, with a splash of freckles across her face, and curly red hair that fell across her shoulders. She goggled at him behind thick framed glasses. Despite her short stature, she was on the thicker side, and it was made all the more apparent by her outfit. She was wearing a pair of cut-off daisy dukes that looked more like a bikini bottom. They revealed all of her thick white thighs and showed off the curves of her big butt. Her tummy swelled slightly over the top of her waistband. She was wearing a button-down shirt, but the shirt was hardly buttoned. Just the middle three buttons were done. Her pale belly showed, and her impressive cleavage was visible her enormous breasts practically pouring out. Not that it was her fault, necessarily. She was so well endowed that any shirt or sweater the poor girl wore would have looked slutty. Graver had heard of extreme bra sizes before, and it was very likely this redhead's cup's size went deep into the alphabet, far beyond the coveted D-cup. Even Graver, for as determined as he was, caught himself noticing her breasts. It was hard not to, they were bigger than his head. Her outfit was just a little too revealing for her body, although she wasn't an unattractive girl by any means. She was just very real-looking. She was cute in a meek, innocent, mousy sort of way. Graver was suddenly aware of how he must look to her. He was standing in the middle of a dark hallway a night in black camouflage, like a commando in a cheesy B-movie. Between that and his facial scar, he had probably put quite the fright into this kid. She laughed nervously. Sorry. I just heard you and thought you were the pizza guy. She blushed a bit. No, I didn't mean to scare you, he said, flashing a smile to hopefully ease her tension so she didn't freak out. I was just looking for Dash. Her expression changed. Oh, you're with that group. Group? Graver asked. Yeah, there was a group of guys dressed like you here earlier. They were going around asking questions. This gave Graver a reason to pause. Oh, were they now? She folded her arms and suddenly looked uneasy. Her eyes flicked to the stairs. They were asking me about one of my neighbors. W, what's going on? From her eyes and her body language, it was apparent that she was a little rattled. Graver suddenly felt bad for her. Most college-aged kids lived pretty sheltered lives. To have her home invaded by a team of men dressed like sweat, carrying gear and weapons, had probably been a bit jarring. And if they had questioned her, Hallie didn't have the warmest bedside manner. That was something Graver had come to know in the years since they'd met and fallen in love. Um, I can't really talk about it. But they were here. You saw them? Yeah, you just missed them. I spoke with a woman. She was pretty but kind of scary. Graver barked a laugh. That sounded like Hallie. Graver felt a little better. What did they ask you about? The girl glanced uneasily to the stairs again, and she rubbed her own arms, looking like she was trying to warm herself up. Her huge heavy boobs squeezed together, and her cleavage seemed to go on forever. There was jiggle to her movements, and Graver caught himself trying not to look. I don't really want to talk about it out here, she admitted. I, if you want to come in, I'll tell you what I told them. She glanced at her apartment door. Graver's guard was still up, but he felt more at ease that a witness had seen them. And according to her, they had just left. He still wasn't convinced. Why hadn't Hallie called them or checked in? But this girl seemed sincere and disarming. She was nervous. Sure, if that makes you feel better, Graver said and followed her back to her door. She smiled in relief as she led the way. As they reached her door, She threw him another glance over her shoulder, her curls bouncing as she moved. This time she smiled even bigger, and seemed to take in his features for the first time. Between his muscles, his rugged stubble, his big blue eyes and blonde hair, and mysterious scar, Graver was aware that women often found him cute. Incidentally, he never had a whole lot of interest in the flirty types or the damsels in distress. Hallie had been very different, which was part of the reason he'd fallen for her. She was independent. She was tough. And the way she could wield her tongue to put people in their place had impressed him. Hallie's firm didn't need an HR department. Her sharp comebacks and smart ass way of calling someone out went much further than any sensitivity seminar ever could. A fear of public humiliation did well enough to keep people in line. Hallie was the only woman who hadn't swooned over him, and had initially been critical and distant when they'd met. That had changed rapidly as a partnership had formed. Regardless, for the briefest moment, Graver caught a glimpse of intrigue on this girl's face as she assessed him. I'm Lucy, by the way. She smiled even brighter, letting her eyes linger as he followed her into her apartment. Graver, he replied. She seemed to pause in confusion. Riley Graver. Truthfully, he hated his first name, but he didn't bother to explain that to her. Riley. The smile returned, and for a moment, her eyes wandered down his body, appraising him. I like that. There was something in the look that Graver had seen before. Women who were slightly overweight or overcompensating with slutty attire tended to be a bit boy-crazy, especially when they saw something they wanted. Graver was getting that same slightly desperate vibe from her. Lucy shut the door and cautiously peered out of the peephole. Graver assessed her apartment. Definitely college living. Mismatched furniture, cheap end tables and lamps. There were plenty of blankets, throw pillows and candles to quickly and cheaply cozy the place up. Books and DVDs on the table were scattered about. Definitely a girl's apartment. It was tastefully organized despite the sparse furnishings and apparent lack of money. Lucy came around him, and there was that half-innocent, half-hungry look again. Is there anything that you want, officer? She asked. And the way she paused seemed somewhat teasing. Graver again caught himself glancing to her ample chest, before looking away. Coffee? Tea? Liquor? She arched her eyebrow in an almost daring tone at the last one. No, thank you. I wanted to ask you what my team spoke with you about. Lucy frowned, but walked over to the couch and sat down. She paused thoughtfully, crossing her legs. Her shorts seemed like they hardly existed at all. They were asking me about the guy upstairs in the attic apartment. She replied. It sounded like he's some sort of creep or something. Is that what they were doing here? Are you guys going to arrest him? You look like a SWAT team or something. They didn't apprehend him? Graver asked. Lucy looked at a loss. I don't know. Not that I saw. I don't think so, if they were asking about him. They did have a computer with them, bagged and wrapped in plastic. It was weird. Do I even want to know what they think is on that computer? Graver shook his head and sat down on the arm of the sofa. I wouldn't be able to disclose that information at this time. He was distracted, reaching for his phone. But this was good news. It sounded like Hallie's team hadn't found Rob, but they at least found the computer and had gotten what they came for. She could have at least called, though, and let everyone know they were all right. Not even if I'm scared? Lucy asked. She bit her lip and batted her eyelashes behind her thick glasses. Graver caught her from the corner of his eye, scooting closer to him. Trust me, there's nothing about that guy that's dangerous at this point. Graver dialed Hallie's number. So I couldn't charm you for more information? Maybe interrogate you a little? She giggled playful, and Graver felt a finger trail along his leg. He batted her hand away. Hallie's phone rang and rang, but she didn't answer. Graver scowled and dialed again. You men in uniform are all the same, Lucy commented, curiously tracing her finger along the back of Graver's knuckles. So serious and stoic and sexy as fuck. Graver shot her a confused glance. She only met his gaze and smiled. Leaning over flirtatiously, he saw that her shirt had fallen open slightly, and he could see all the way down to her tight red brow that held her tits at bay. He could practically hear the straps screaming against their heavy burden. He noticed that her cleavage had the same splash of freckles that her face did. Despite his concerns, he felt this loins tighten. How long ago did they leave? He asked, listening to the ring go on and on. Lucy shrugged. Maybe ten or fifteen minutes. They look tired like they were investigating something all day. That made sense. Graver knew that Hallie could be a bit obsessive when she wanted to be. He could imagine if she got access to Rob's computer, she'd spent the better part of the day dissecting and analyzing it. Still, something didn't sit entirely right. A few of them were pretty cute. Lucy admitted. How lucky for me that the best-looking one was the one who showed up late. Graver ignored that comment. He was uneasy as once more the call went to voicemail. He hung up and dialed again. Are you single? Lucy bit her lip and twirled her hair around her finger. There was something juvenile about the gesture. Too flirtatious with very little tact. Engaged. You met my future wife. The woman who asked you questions. Graver said distractedly. Lucy didn't miss a beat. Do you play when she's not around? And Graver suddenly felt her walk her fingers across the front of his pants like a pair of strutting legs. Graver shot her a look like she'd lost her mind. No, he said, and politely moved her hand away. Well, maybe you should. I wouldn't tell. It's just you and I here all alone. Lucy reached up and snapped the next button of her top, then the next one, then the last one, and suddenly her shirt fell open, revealing her huge luscious tits, nearly spilling out of her bra. Holy shit, they were big. Graver could feel his cock quickly growing hard. There was something about her youthful face, busted body and unabashed suggestions that were spurring something in him. He didn't like it. I gotta go, he said, moving to get up. Maybe Galloway was right about the sexual deviancy in this place, the mind control. As he started to stand from the arm of the couch, Lucy stood in front of him and grabbed him by the jacket. Her grip was firm. Not yet, Riley. I've never had a cop on duty before. I think it's sort of sexy, don't you? She pushed him back onto the couch, and before Graver could move to get up again, Lucy climbed on top of him, straddled him. Graver didn't know what the hell was happening. Lucy started to grind her hips against his growing erection. The feeling was electric. He couldn't stop himself from groaning at the feeling. Especially one who's taken. She gave a naughty smirk from behind glasses that hardly looked innocent any longer. Graver's heart was pounding. This was wrong. Really wrong. This girl could easily be half his age. He came here with a task a task that could mean life or death. And yet, this busted little slut was distracting him from all of his obligations, including his love of Hallie, who he'd always felt like he'd waited a lifetime for. But how easy it would be to just not fight, to just let this happen! Lucy reached down and pulled her huge plump tits from her bra, one by one. Her bra all but disappeared beneath those pale, gigantic melons. Her nipples were big pink circles that stared graver in the face. I'd ask if your fiance has tits like these, but I met her. I know she doesn't. Lucy giggled, against sounding very juvenile. She twerked her hips against Graver's bulge, then came up higher on her knees and thrust her chest into his face. Graver's face was engulfed by warm, soft skin. Christ, her tits were huge. His face could all but disappear in between them. He could smell the scent of her soap. His cock was throbbing wildly in the now tight confines of his pants. He knew he needed to stop, he needed to leave. He was risking everything. His job, his girl, and even worse the safety of his friends, the integrity of an investigation. But all of those wrongs made it a taboo beyond words that he'd never felt before. That's it, Lucy moaned softly. You don't have to do anything but sit back and enjoy. I wanted you the second I saw you. She grinded harder against his shaft. His pants had turned into a tent. She rubbed her tits up and down against his rough face. His stubble slid across her smooth breasts. We can just have some naughty fun, she continued. Don't you want that? Riley? She said his name like she was tasting a foreign dish. Graver's mind was now a perfectly balanced scale. Professional and proper on one side, and sexual desire on the other. He didn't want this to stop as much as he did. Then Lucy reached beneath her, feeling for his bulge. Her fingers closed around it tightly, and the scales began to tip. It felt too good. Graver had always thought of himself as a strong man the life he lived, and the scars he wore told the story of hardship that had forged him. But as this little busta slut began to rub his cock, promising easy, wild, inappropriate sex he realized how weak he was. Because the bottom line is, if she had stopped right now, he would have been truly disappointed. Which is why Graver found his mouth opening and his lips planting hungry kisses on her big fat tits. His tongue slid out for a taste. Hallie would never forgive him but he wouldn't forgive himself regardless of what he decided. And if the hardness of his cock was any indication, his base urges won out. He moaned as he bucked his hips softly against her wandering hand. Lucy giggled and stroked harder as Graver's mouth roamed her globes. That's it, officer, she moaned. Punish me. I've been such a bad schoolgirl. She seemed like she was taunting him with her words, but he couldn't bring himself to stop. One hand went to the breast that she hovered in front of his face. He massaged her boob while his lips latched around her nipple, and he began to taste and suck her. His other hand slid up and down her thigh. Graver was surrounded all day by women with hard muscles and fit bodies. Lucy was different, he could only describe her as juicy. Graver's hand slid around her wide hip and took a handful of her ass. Her tiny shorts had ridden up considerably as she grinded her body against his, teasing his cock to life. Her shorts seemed to be swallowed up by her ass, He couldn't help but sink his fingers into her milky flesh, before giving her but a tentative slip. She worked her pussy up and down harder. Even through her denim shorts, and his fatigue pants, he could feel her wetness soaking against his bulge. A warm pleasant dampness on the head of his cock drove home the awful things he was doing. He felt so dirty and terrible, and that feeling fueled him on. He sucked harder at her breast, then dragged his tongue in wider and wider circles around her nipple, wanting to coat all of her enormous tit in his saliva. He moved on to the other and continued to explore while her hands stroked him fast and eager. Mmm. Lucy teased and taunted. You love these big tits, don't you, officer? Graver didn't reply, but continued to work his mouth on her skin. I know you do. Lucy purred, her body in a state of constantly moving, grinding, dancing and swaying. She was restless and would be until he was inside of her. They're so much bigger than that dry bitch that you're with, aren't they? Graver blushed. A reflex as she deliberately flirted with his sense of self-loathing and commitments. Say it. She barked at him, having gone from the flirty meek little slut to the demanding and shrill brat. I love them, Graver said, a little afraid for the first time. She was legitimately crazy. Clingy and psychotic. They're huge. Bigger than your boring bitch fiancé. She coaxed the words out of him. Yes, way bigger than hers. O'Reilly. She cooed in a swooning voice, like a smitten princess being told sweet nothings. She tilted Graver's face up from her chest and brought her mouth down on his. His startled eyes remained open as her red curls fell around his face. She was kissing him eagerly. Her tongue forced into his mouth, dancing and flicking around to taste him. Graver held on to her body as she grinded. He was afraid to keep this going but his body was driving his actions at this point moving with his desperate need for pleasure to fuck this girl to mate with this girl he wasn't sure why that word occurred to him just then they made out on the couch like teenagers lips locked together tongues messily playing and bodies in a constant state of movement graver's cock was growing stiff and sore from being so hard for so long rubbing on the inside of his uniform the crotches of both of their pants were damp from her wetness and his leaking precum the entire time Captain Graver found himself wondering what the hell had gotten into him that he was just letting this happen. But the huge boobs pressed against his chest were just so hard to pass up. When Lucy broke the kiss and started working her way down his neck with her eager mouth, he did nothing to stop her. She pulled his jacket open and ran her hands down his chest, then his stomach. She curiously fingered his equipment belt as he helped her remove his clothes. She trailed soft swooning, almost loving, kisses down his body. The entire time, Graver was convinced there would be severe consequences for doing this. But that was something he would face tomorrow. Tonight, he just wanted to relax and let this happen. Lucy knelt on the floor in front of him. Her busy hands lowered the zipper of his fatigues and freed his cock. It came out ramrod stiff. He couldn't recall a time in his life that he'd been so hard. Oh, Riley Graver! Lucy moaned when she came face to face with his erection. Size was never something that Graver had been concerned about. He had been gifted with something impressive. Apparently Lucy agreed. I love it. It's perfect. And without any further words of endearment, she took it in her hand and her mouth. She fed herself with his cock. Graver moaned as she plunged him into the warm, wet embrace of her hungry mouth. Oh, fuck, he moaned softly. Lucy nodded her head in agreement and caressed his shaft, cradled his balls. He felt like this busted little slut was worshipping him. It was weird, creepy, and crazy, but part of it was kind of cute and charming. She bobbed several times, then locked her lips tightly around his head and sucked hard. He nearly jumped, his hips coming off of the couch. Then she resumed. The sound of sucking filled the apartment, as did her moans of satisfaction, like she was feeding herself a delicious meal. Mmm. Mmm. M. She moaned. At one point she even popped her mouth off of his cock to say, Yum! Then she dragged her tongue from his balls up along the base of his shaft until she reached the head again. Like their grind session, she was putting her whole body into the effort, not just her mouth. Her movements energetic and restless. Her hips swayed and sashayed. She dragged her big heavy boobs up and down his legs. Graver lay on the couch, panting. His mind a storm of conflict between badly wanting to fuck this devious slut and wanting to snap out of it and return to who he really was. But did he even know who he was right now? This is so bad, he grunted. Maybe you should send me to the principal, she giggled, her response immediate. She took a long hard suck, and when the spit streamers ran from his dick to her mouth, she slurped them up and resumed her lusty assault on his cock. Graver had to grasp the edge of the couch as Lucy plunged him all the way to the back of her throat and held him there. She bobbed her head ever so slightly, fucking him and out of her throat. There was room to spare for her to stroke his shaft. Graver had to catch his breath at the sensation that this horny bimbo was milking him into her throat. She peered up at him, her eyes big behind those misleadingly innocent glasses. Eventually she popped off his cock again, her mouth trembling as she sucked in a shaky excited breath. The thrill of what she was doing and he was letting her was obvious in the way she seemed to revere him. God, men in uniform turn me on so much. She cooed, holding his big dick against her chest. Graver said nothing. He could only bring himself to watch as she used both hands and twirled and twisted them around his thick shaft. Wouldn't it be hot if your fiancé walked in right now and saw this? She teased. Graver looked suddenly horrified. She smiled a mischievous smile. I guess you'd have some explaining to do, she said and leaned forward. She began to pepper the underside of his throbbing shaft with warm wet kisses. I think we both would. She giggled, and alternated little teases of lips and tongue from his balls up to his head and back down again. What would you tell her? Graver was at a loss for words. He already hated himself for doing this for cheating on the woman that he loved. But now to be reminded of it, to be taunted. This girl was out of her mind. I am not sure. He stammered. I tell her. Lucy came up for air for a second. She tapped chin with her finger as her eyes went up to the ceiling in an exaggerated gesture of being deep in thought. Again, there was an immaturity to the gesture that made Graver feel like he was sticking his dick in a pool of crazy. I'll tell her that this hunk is mine now. And she needs to get the fuck out. I'd tell her to go home and cry about it. That we literally just met, but we're not rushing into it. It was just meant to be. Then she returned her hungry mouth to around Graver's cock and resumed feeding herself. Graver grunted. Lucy, that's so wrong. We don't know each other. I've already picked her. She came off his dick again and slapped him. Not hard, but hard enough to make it sting. You're here getting your dick sucked by me right now, instead of being out doing your job because you already picked me over her. Graver was so stunned by the slap and the logic and the insufferable bratty attitude that he didn't know what to say. You took one look at these tits, and you wanted me more than her or you would have left. Now say it, Riley. Say it or I'll stop, and I'll call her up and tell her what you did. Her tone of voice as she nagged made Graver suddenly terrified. I picked you over her, he replied miserably. She smiled and her change was immediate and loving. Good boy, she said. Now here's your reward. She placed his shaft between her giant breasts and squeezed them together. His dick was immediately engulfed by the warmth of her memories, to the point where it disappeared. She held him there against her chest. Do you feel it? She moaned. Do you feel my heart beating? I'm so enchanted with you. My heart is pounding! She declared to his stunned face, and she started to work her boobs up and down along his shaft. Graver couldn't stop himself from moaning. It felt amazing. She tit-fucked him sensually the head of his cock appearing and disappearing with each bounce of her fleshy udders. He watched the hypnotic movements, feeling horrified by what Lucy was swooning over. But he couldn't stop now even if he wanted to. She was threatening him, and though he was terrified that she might make good on it, there was something about her controlling him that turned on him. And, who said he wanted to stop? Her body was amazing and he was too far gone. Oh God, I want you to stay here forever, she continued. She tit-fucked him for several minutes more, but the gesture was more for his benefit than her pleasure. Enough torturing herself. She grabbed aggressively for his equipment belt, and pulled it off of him. She undid his pants the rest of the way and Graver lifted his hips off the couch and helped her scoot his pants off. Then Lucy was nearly jumping into his lap. Her curves jiggled as she tackled him, the two of them falling across the couch until she was laying on top of him. Her mouth found his again, and she wiggled her body pushing her tight little shorts down her ass and legs. When she discarded her shorts, Graver wasn't surprised to feel his cock coming to rest against just bare skin between her legs. She hadn't bothered to wear underwear. She was kissing him aggressively, sucking on his lips as she reached between them, feeling for his cock. Then she spread her legs, trapping him beneath her body, and guided his throbbing member into her soaked wetness. Oh fuck! Graver moaned as he felt the warm folds of her pussy wrap around him, engulfing him. O'Reilly, she moaned, you feel so good in my body, like you belong there. She giggled and started to move her hips even before she had him fully inside of her. She humped the head, swayed her hips and sank him deeper, swayed her hips again and continued to ride him all the way down until his entire length was in this slutty college student. Graver grunted, his mind screaming red flags at him, but his body needing this more than anything he'd ever needed. She started to ride him there on the couch. He reached up to run his hands down her back to her ass, to control her tempo. But she caught his wrists and playfully pinned them above his head. She hovered her big tits into his face as she held him there and rode him. Graver caught the idea. Unable to resist, he started to suck and lick her breasts as they jiggled in front of his face. Lucy's juicy hips continued in a steady up and down along his shaft, swallowing him up wetly. Graver hardly noticed the jingle of noise as Lucy rummaged around in his duty belt while she rode him. Then suddenly he felt cold metal on his pinned hands and heard the distinct click. When she sat back, there was a little smile of triumph on her face. His own handcuffs were around his wrists. There, you aren't going anywhere, Riley. She giggled playfully. You're staying right here with me. She continued to bounce, this time more energetically and happily. She dangled the handcuff keys. If you want me to let you go, you're going to have to fuck me really, really good, she said. She leaned back and Graver watched her busty curves bounce and jiggle as she rode him there on the sofa. He grunted, his hands pinned in place. There was something thrilling to him about completely relinquishing his control. His cock was throbbing happily. His crotch was a mess of her juices as she made his shaft appear and disappear again and again. Oh, officer, she grunted. I'm so wet for you. Graver moaned, her giant melon swinging heavily with each bounce. Her curls swung and swayed and bounced from her shoulders. Her glasses steamed up slightly. She leaned her head back and started to moan at the ceiling. The sight of her body drove him wild, as did the up-down steady bouncing of her body coming down harder and harder on his lap. The couch creaked against the floorboards that protested their weight. Oh fuck! Graver moaned, enjoying the pleasant sexuality. He thrust his hips back into her, Trying to meet her movements Yes She moaned Yes, yes Suddenly the heavy bouncing of her body was too much for him Maybe it was the thrill Maybe the rush Or maybe just a sexy little slut doing slutty little things to him But he felt himself inching dangerously close to a line that he couldn't come back from Lucy, S slow down He moaned She sashayed her hips in fast little rotations that made her belly and breasts jiggle What's wrong? she taunted, riding him harder. I'm going to. I'm going to. He grunted. Lucy leaned forward, mashing her huge chest against his, and started to eagerly kiss him. Her movements never slowed. If anything, they only grew more eager. Between his handcuffs and her pinning him down, Graver felt suddenly trapped. It's okay, Riley. Let go. She moaned around his mouth. He was no longer kissing back. His mouth contorted in an expression of sudden panic. Let it all out. No. He clenched his eyes shut, trying to hold back. Yes. She insisted. We're going to be so happy together. No. His body stiffened, his hips involuntarily pushed up into her, sinking his cock as deep as it could into her wetness. A second later, she welcomed the flood of his seed into her body. Oh yes, baby. Yes. She squealed in delight as she felt rope after rope spill into her womb. Graver shot a massive load of cum that his balls had pent up for a few days now. And when it was over, he was horrified by the realization that he'd been trapped, that he might be a father before he's a husband. Oh God! He seemed to fold in on himself as the gravity of what he'd done sank in. But he hadn't been able to control himself. Lucy lay on top of him, cuddling him tightly, still kissing his frozen mouth before giving him a peck on the cheek. She let out a bratty giggle as she hugged him tightly. We're going to be so happy together, she repeated, this time with more resolve. Oh God! Graver moaned again, feeling the dread in his gut. She snuggled him for several moments. Graver began to pull at his cuffs. Lucy? He hesitated, almost afraid of how she'd react. Can you let me go now? She glanced up from his chest and smiled. It was a wicked little smile. You promised to fuck me good and you came too soon. She giggled. If you want to leave, you have to do better than that. Then she sat back. His cock was still buried in her body. Cum ran freely from her, down his shaft, where it pulled in his lap. They both watched it for a while. Then Lucy glanced back to him and started to slowly move her hips again. I hope you can get hard again. Or you just might be here for a really, really long time. Either way sounds fun to me, she said and started to bounce. Graver groaned with a sense of hopeless anxiety. Lucy wasn't going to stop. She was never going to stop. Graver became more and more aware of a nagging feeling that he was a prisoner of his own creation. He had allowed this to happen and now he was effectively trapped. Lucy clambered off of his cock and buried her face in Graver's lap. She lapped hungrily at his cum-covered cock. It lay twitching and throbbing in a pool of his own semen. M. Lucy moaned as she licked it up by the mouthful her curls tickling his lap. You taste so good, she declared. Then she curled her fingers around the messy sticky shaft and plunged it back into her mouth. Graver's body gave a spasm. His post-orgasm sensitivity was running high and the sensation of her hungry mouth was almost too much like a tickle that was bordering on pain. Lucy sucked and licked and gobbled, indifferent to his discomfort and protests. And little by little, his cock recovered until he was raging hard again. Graver groaned. Knowing it was far from over. But he was afraid to admit himself that it wasn't all a reflex. There was something about this bratty little sex fiend vixen cornering him, taking away his power, and forcing him into an insurmountable situation that stirred his libido and made him want to give in to her. Those thoughts were all the more apparent when she grasped him by his cuffed hands and guided him until she was laying back on the couch, and he was over top of her. Her massive tits flattened a bit as her red curls fell in a halo on the sweat soaked pillows. Fuck me, Riley, and make it good. You wouldn't want me to tell your fiancé that she shouldn't marry you because you're bad in bed, right? That teasing again, and the reference to Hallie made his heart ache and his cock jump all at once. Then he was plunging himself back into the warm embrace of her body. She folded her legs around his waist and locked them tight behind his back, squealing with pleasure as the fucking commenced. Maybe there was a lot of truth to the fact that this busted little hussy turned him on with her threats and taunts. Because as his hips found their rhythm, Graver was very aware of how rough he was being with her. His hands still cuffed together, braced on the armrest above her head. His thrusts were deep and pronounced, stabbing into her with his cock. Each time he did, the couch shook, her tits wobbled, and when his body slammed into hers, it sent jiggles rolling up her hips, down her thighs, and over her belly. Oh! Oh! Oh, Riley! She moaned beneath him. Her expression behind those innocent glasses was one of surprise and fear a complete 180 from that self-assuredness of earlier. You're being so rough with me, she moaned. Her feet held on behind his back. Her pussy was making a sopping mess between them. Graver gave a grunt of acknowledgement and continued his rough assault on that juicy, plump body. Beads of sweat both from shame and from the effort rolled down his brow, following the path that the scar beside his eye carved out. I must be so much hotter than your future wife. She groaned, her hands found his, moved up and exploring the muscles in his arms. Graver ground his teeth, her words making him hate her and himself. But they spurred him on. He was fucking harder and harder. Tell me, she ordered him, her voice raising to a shrill immature pitch. Say it, Riley, or I swear I'll scream. You're hotter than her, he moaned, hating himself. You're hotter than her, your tits are huge, and I love the way you order me around. She smiled, pleased with herself. She folded her arms around his neck, caressing the hairs on the back of his head lovingly. Then she pulled him down to her face. See? Was that so hard? She purred in a lusty voice. Then she started to kiss at his lips eagerly, tasting him, dragging her tongue around to collect the beads of sweat, and wiggling into his mouth. He could taste his own cum on her breath. The couch still shook, even as she violated his mouth with her salty tongue. Graver couldn't stop. He absolutely couldn't. His pounding heart was racing to keep up with his libido. I wish the bitch would walk in right now, and see me stealing you all to myself. Lucy narrated deep in thought. She'd storm out, broken-hearted, and you'd be all mine. She giggled at the fantasy, even as she continued to kiss at his face, to lick and taste him. You could spend the night here. We could watch movies and cuddle, and of course, fuck again and again. Her words legitimately alarmed Graver like an ominous promise or a threat. And still, his unprotected shaft continued to crave her body. Graver felt an instinctive, almost single-minded need to let this girl own him and abuse him and dominate him. Good boy. She moaned against his mouth as she felt his complacency. Such a good boy. You'll make such a good husband. But not to your bitch-ass fiancé. She giggled again and gave him one last long-drawn-out, impassioned kiss. Then she changed positions and climbed on to all fours like an animal. She threw a glance over her shoulder at Graver and shook her ass. Mate with me, Riley. Just like the animals do. And without a word or thought of protest, Captain Riley Graver mounted up behind this psychotic college student that he'd only met tonight. When he fucked, he fucked her hard. True to her words, they mated right there on the floor of her apartment. The boards shook beneath the thrusts of their ritual. Sweat poured from their bodies. His cock made slapping sounds as he entered her again and again, and his balls grew heavy with the build-up. She threw her head back and practically growled as Graver gave her orgasm after orgasm. When it was finally his turn, he didn't pull out. A distant part of his brain screamed at him not to, to pull out, to run. But that voice was very small and far away. Instead, he did what his body wanted and he sank himself deep into her and released his second payload of sperm for the night. This time it was even larger and more impressive than the first. It filled the squealing vixen to the brim, and sent large wet drops running down her quivering inner thighs. Yes! She cried, and as if to drive home the gravity of Graver's mistake that he'd given in to this complete psycho brat she followed it up with a girlish. I love you so much, Riley. You're going to be mine forever. We'll be so happy together. Graver stared dumbly at her as she got to her feet. Only then did he hear the sound of a door open and they were joined by another. We'll all be so happy. A sinister voice echoed from behind the captain. A man's voice. And somewhere, in a distant almost separate plane of existence, Graver thought he heard the cackle of laughter, like a witch's voice. Then the world turned black and Graver ceased all thought. It was getting late. An hour was almost up. Ethan yawned. Danny sat beside him, biting at her cuticles. He noticed, and he patted her hand reassuringly. There was very little confidence in that pat. Just a timid touch of human contact before he pulled his hand away. She smiled at him, even if it was a nervous smile. Ethan had opted to sit in the back seat with her, to reassure the girl. Galloway noticed from the rearview mirror, and was about to remark that she thought they looked cute together, if only to calm her own nerves. She was growing worried. Captain Graver had been radio silent for almost a full hour, and Galloway was beginning to weigh the alternatives. Graver had told her specifically to wait an hour to hear from him, and if not. Before she could open her mouth to tease the teens, her phone rang. She sagged with relief when she saw who it was. Still, she answered cautiously. Go for Galloway, she said. Graver's voice was loud and crisp. He sounded a little worn out, but like his normal self regardless. The building is secured, Graver said. I have that creepy little weirdo subdued in his apartment. Are you all right, Captain? Galloway gripped the phone. A little worse for wear. Graver responded. But I'll survive. Galloway hesitated with her next question. Did you find Hallie and the rest of them? Now she sensed why Graver sounded so worn out. I found them. Um, you need to see this to believe it. What? She asked, suddenly very afraid of what he'd found. I'm in the cellar. It's worse than I thought. Meet me down there. I'm going to need some help with this one, he said severely. Oh, God, Galloway replied. What's going on? He sighed. Just get down here. I'm on my way. Galloway started the car. Nicely done, Robert Bradford remarked to his latest acquisition. He held out his hand and Captain Graver mindlessly slipped the cell phone back between the bars of the rusty storage cage. His eyes were unfocused and distant. Rob expected a stronger sense of willpower from the captain with the facial scar. He wasn't sure why. Something about the man's appearance and rank had instilled an illusion that he might be tough to break with his magical hypnosis machine. But Graver had given in just as easily as everyone else had becoming a slave to the narrative that Rob had typed for him. That erotic little tale of the soon-to-be-wed captain throwing it all away for a psycho young college slut with big tits had come true as easily as anything else he typed out. Not only that, but even post-orgasm, Graver had folded under interrogation. Not only could Rob make people do what he wanted, but he could get them to open up to him and tell him the truth about whatever he wanted by typing a simple sentence like, Captain Graver told Rob the truth about anything he was asked. Rob now knew everything which was how he'd been able to trick Galloway and her friends into returning to his house of fun. Very nicely done, Rob repeated. Graver gave no acknowledgement of having even heard. He sat on the cold dirt floor of the basement in his respective cage. Lucy knelt beside him. Her mouth was over his lap. She was sucking his already well-used penis in a slow gentle passion, like she was basting his meat pole with her saliva. Rob smiled at Lucy. She'd done her duties perfectly stopping Graver the moment he arrived, leading him astray, and stalling until Rob could come up with a plan. It was the least Rob could do to let Lucy enjoy the spoils of her efforts. Are you enjoying your new friend, my dear? Rob asked her. Lucy's mouth came off of Graver's stick with a sweet popping sound. I love him! She leapt to her feet. She jumped up and down over and over again. Her massive tits and her juicy curves jiggled with each bounce. And her enthusiasm again reminded Rob of the mindless juvenile energy of porn star Cody Vore. Can I keep him? Can I keep him? Can I keep him? She asked over and over again. Please? I want him so badly. She pleaded childishly. Admittedly, Rob hadn't had a lot of good ideas for Lucy since he'd used his mind control power to fully possess her. The women in his harem were all so different, and they were evolving to better fit the cliches that Rob had in his mind. Tina was the exotic seductress sex tiger. Med was the sweet desperate soccer mom that any boy would want. Kelsey was his own personal girlfriend now. But Lucy, he'd been neglecting her personality. And though Lucy was 18 or 19, college-aged, Rob realized that he didn't much care for her normal meek and mousy librarian-like demeanor. His harem was lacking in the bratty annoying little sister type of personality. Lucy, with her red curls and huge knockers, filled that role flawlessly. Under Rob's narrative, she'd even changed her voice into something more like a whiny schoolgirl than a bashful bookworm. She brought some much needed fresh spunk and diversity to his cast of characters. He's all yours, Rob agreed with a pleased fatherly smile. But he's your responsibility to take care of. Understand? He said in the tone of voice of any father presenting a daughter with a new puppy. Oh, I will. I will. Lucy bounced up and down. I promise. Thank you. Thank you, all thank you, thank you. She squealed and hurried back to her new plaything. She smiled gratefully at Rob one final time before popping Graver's cock right back into her mouth and resuming her endless sucking. The Connolly house was eerily quiet as Galloway, Ethan, and Danny entered. They made their way down the hall, alert to anything unusual and paused at the top of the basement stairs. Galloway held her hand out to Ethan and Danny. Wait, Captain Graver? she called down the basement stairs. There was the briefest pause, followed by Graver's voice echoing up to them. Down here, Galloway. Just brace yourselves, he said. The three of them started down. A light was on in the resident storage area. When Galloway, Ethan, and Danny stepped into the room, they froze in their tracks. Indeed, it was worse than what Graver had said, but Graver wasn't the one who was waiting for them. Six storage cages, mostly filled with junk, holiday decorations, and boxes for electronics that were still under warranty. And each of those cages was filled. They spotted Captain Graver in one of them. He was sitting on the floor, half-naked. His back against the wall, and his legs splayed out in front of him. His pants were half-off, and there was a vacant look on his face, even despite the busta half red-headed girl who knelt in front of him, enthusiastically gobbling his cock. In another, they spotted Hallie. She had been stripped down to just her boots and was on her hands and knees on the dirt floor like an animal as three men surrounded her, fucking her from all different angles. Galloway recognized them as her missing teammates Alvarado, York, and Alex. They were having the time of their lives, moaning and grunting in an animalistic fashion as they pounded their boss from all sides. Mom? Ethan asked, horrified. Meg was alone in her own cage. She was barely clothed, and was feverishly and mindlessly touching herself all over, her hands spinning in fast little circles over her clit as she watched the orgy in the next cell. In another, Tina and Kelsey were sensually kissing like two girls at a pornographic slumber party shirtless and playfully rubbing their massive tits together as they ran fingers through each other's hair and cooed sweet nothings around each other's mouths. Four zoo-like cages filled with people, all acting out some depraved activity for the entertainment of him. Standing in front of all of the cages, like the conductor of this devious orchestra, was Robert Bradford. He wielded a wireless keyboard in his hand like a baton, and the symphony of moans and slurps and slaps and grunts echoed throughout the room. When he turned to them, he smiled. It was a dark and perverse smile, fully illustrating how far off the deep end Rob had fallen. Welcome home, he declared. Do you like what I've done with the place? Galloway, Ethan, and Danny were at a complete loss for words. The basement had become a zoo. Only the cages were filled with people, not animals. Their neighbors, friends, and loved ones. This wasn't just one or two girls. Rob now had a literal army soldiers and officers, women and girls. It hit them all at once. For Rob to sequester everyone away down here, and locking rooms where he could better control them, could only mean that they would be the subject of Rob's experiments. The author had plans for all of them. Big plans. Your rooms are ready. Rob told his new arrivals. Then he began to type. Chapter 13 You're a real piece of shit, Galloway remarked. She didn't say it with a testy snarl. Her comment was dry stating a fact. They had gone into their respective, cells, storage cages for the different tenant apartments. They hadn't put up a fight, but that was Rob's doing. A few simple commands typed into his computer and their legs had moved completely independent of their free will. Now they were locked in. Every tenant in the apartment, as well as Galloway's co-workers. Power corrupts, I guess, Rob said with an equally matter-of-fact tone. Locking us up in cages? Ethan asked from behind his own set of bars. The girl, Danny, curled up on herself and sobbed quietly. Rob looked momentarily guilty and ashamed. It's not ideal, I know. You ever write a book? The less characters there are, the easier it is to juggle everyone. But now there's a lot of you. For as talented as I like to think that I am, I need to come up with a way of keeping track of everyone, otherwise mistakes will get made and things will get out of hand. Keeping on top of it is starting to feel like a full-time job. They supposed that could be true. Ethan glanced up and down the rows of storage units. Captain Graver and the college girl the busta one with the huge boobs were in one unit. Apparently Rob had decided to snap them out of their trance. Both Graver and Lucy had dressed, looking at each other with embarrassment. Lucy was shocked and appalled by what she was wearing. Her daisy dukes and her button-down barely did anything to conceal a figure that she was already self-conscious about. And to wake up, finding herself locked up, sucking on the cock of a handsome older man, had left her thoroughly embarrassed. She shrank to the back of the cage. Graver draped his jacket over her and stood glowering at Rob. Everyone sensed that Rob enjoyed the humiliation on their faces when they snapped back to reality and caught themselves in the midst of their heinous and debaucherous acts. He'd also freed his spell over the next storage unit, the one where Hallie woke up in mid gang bang with her fellow officers. Rob had snickered quietly as the trio of stunned authority figures discovered their cocks going in and out of their boss's mouth, pussy and ass. They'd all quickly dressed and fled to different corners of their cages, unable to look at each other. All except Hallie who despite the compromising position she'd woken up into, had immediately begun to explore her cage for weapons or a way out. Rob had been a bit more merciful to Ethan. He'd let Ethan into the cage with his mother, worried for her and wanting to check on her. Once Rob had started his humiliation tour, snapping the different captives from his spell over them, Ethan had glanced at him from behind the bars and simply requested, Please don't wake her up like this. I don't want her to know. Rob kept Meg under the spell. She was still a horny, raging slut, and Rob had a momentary image of Ethan being locked in a cage with a wild animal. Only this wild animal was sexy as fuck and wasn't hungry, she was horny. That could be a fun game for later. Danny and Galloway each had their own cages. And in the last one, Rob had let Kelsey out of her cage, and woken up a frightened and shocked Tina. Kelsey, he hadn't woken up, and he doubted he ever would. He didn't want to see the inevitable change in the way she looked at him once reality said it. If anything, he wanted to separate her from all of this. He sent her upstairs. If it's so daunting, why don't you just let us go then? Galloway remarked, pacing her cage. Like the rest of her men, she was searching her holding cell. Each room had a lot of junk piled up. Tools, weapons, or a weak point would be ideal. Do you really think I'm going to dignify that with a response? Rob said. Then changed his voice to sound like a bumbling moron, an impression oddly similar to Barney Fife. Oh, that's really good idea. Why don't I just let you all go? Never mind all the hot, wild, steamy sex I can have now with beautiful women who normally never even look at me twice. It wasn't just about sex with them, Galloway said. I might be more willing to understand that than what you really did. Look at what you did with Danny and her brother. Look at Ethan and his mom. You didn't have sex with me. But you made me do things I wouldn't ordinarily do. You're a fucking pervert. I'm the pervert? Rob started to laugh. It was a deep, maniacal laugh. I'm the pervert? Did you seriously just call me the pervert? His voice seemed to roar as he laughed. I barely influenced any of you. I never influenced Ethan. Not even the barest hint of a testosterone jump. His mother, yes. I turned her into a raging slut. But Ethan, definitely not. I presented him with an opportunity to fuck his own mother. And what did he do? He fucked his own mother. And you know what? He liked it. So who's really the pervert? Ethan glanced at the floor, embarrassed. Rob rounded on Danny. Your brother Bill. I had nothing to do with him. My powers don't reach beyond this building. I had you take your clothes a few times on your little video chats, and suddenly your brother is confessing his lust for you. So again, who's really the pervert here? Danny blushed. And you, he said to Galloway. I hardly influenced you. I poked your brain a few times in the right spot while you were sleeping. I planted the seed of an idea somewhere deep down under all that dyed hair, and it grew into a redwood on its own. You were an experiment to see how much of your actions were free will. And guess what? That little gangbang of yours with all those bad boy burglars, nearly all of it was your own free will. People are only as good and wholesome as their opportunities. I gave normal wholesome people the perfect opportunity to either go for it or walk away. And you all went for it. So I'm going to ask this again. Who is really the pervert here? He seemed to snarl those last words. For once, Galloway's cheeks flushed bright pink, and she fell silent. That's what I thought, Rob remarked. So what's your plan? Hallie commented as she paced her own cell. Her manner was calm and even, but beneath the surface, Rob could see the danger glowing like embers behind her eyes. These cells don't exactly have food— toilets, or showers. Unless you like your women messy, smelly, and half-starved? She rested her hands on her hips and cocked her eyebrow. Don't get too comfy. Rob answered almost immediately, and his words chilled them deeply. None of you. You won't be here for long. Rob stepped out of the basement. They weren't sure where he was going, or for how long he'd be gone. That was why the moment he left, the soldiers began to direct the others. Hey, college girls, Hallie called down the rows of cells to Danny and Tina. Both girls were sitting by helplessly. Start searching the junk piles in your cages. Right now. Make it fast. Anything you can use as a weapon. Anything that you could restrain a man with. Any weak boards, any loose screws. You want to get the hell out of here? We need to be out of here before he comes back. Hallie's words seemed to spur the girls into action. Galloway was already on it, kicking at the chain links that surrounded her trying to see if there was a spot that was especially wobbly. Captain Graver was pep-talking Lucy, who had bundled herself into her jacket. It's not your fault, he told her. None of this is. But you gotta help me. She was smiling meekly and Graver could see her true personality, not the bouncy boy crazy brat that she'd come across as initially. The real her was shy, self-conscious, and introverted. It suited her better. Ethan's attention was divided between the task at hand, and trying to keep his mother grounded in reality. She was still deeply under Rob's influence, but whatever personality he assigned to her still closely mirrored her normal one. She was concerned, anxious, and obsessing over Ethan. I love you, baby. I'm sorry. I just can't control myself around you. It's fine, mom. It's fine. We'll talk more about this later. He was brushing her aside. Hallie's men watched her rummage through old boxes and rubber made bins full of old toys and junk. They were all hesitant to move, like a children who weren't sure if they were in trouble or not, and therefore afraid to draw any attention, lest they find out. Finally Hallie grew frustrated. What the fuck are your problems? She glared at Alvarado, York, and Alex. Her men were looking at her with guilty expressions. She supposed she couldn't blame them. When they had all come to— all three of them were balls deep in Halley's body, fucking their boss like sex-starved animals. Boss, it was Alex who asked it. He was nervously cleaning his glasses on his shirt. Are we in trouble for what we were doing? You're going to be in a lot more trouble if you don't start helping me. She wasn't interested in talking about this. Are you sure? York's expression was concerned. Because we literally woke up down here having sex with you. Halley rounded on them. Oh my god, do we really need to talk this out now? You guys are like a bunch of needy girls. Her voice went off like a gunshot in the room. Everyone looked over. Let's all get something straight, under the circumstances, so we don't have to talk this shit out later. Her eyes traveled around the room to all of their faces her men, the college students, her own future husband. I'm not holding any of this against any of you. If there was ever a time for a free pass, I'd say this is it so enjoy the fact that we all got laid guilt-free. She resumed her rummaging. Her men looked satisfied by this response. Graver seemed relieved and more forgiving of himself. Hallie couldn't resist, though. A smile arrived on her face, late to the party. For the record, boys, how was I? She smirked as she came out with a bat, only to find that it was made of cheap plastic. A child's wiffle ball toy. She discarded it. Couldn't have been that good, Alvarado replied. We don't remember it. And despite the situation, everyone chuckled lightly. You're an asshole. Hallie gave him the finger. I never was great at multitasking. To be honest, I'm kind of surprised at how well I could handle the three of you. She smirked playfully. You know, I'm right here. Graver mock-pouted from the next cage over. He was trying to bend the bottoms of the chain links upward. Oh, shut up. Hallie called back. You have a hot coed with natural red hair in your cell. The compliment made Lucy blush but smile gratefully. I had to have sex with these stinky Neanderthals. You have nothing to complain about. The banter helped to lighten the mood, stave off their panic, and ensure that they were all still a team that nobody was upset at each other. It brought them together as they rummaged, searched, and fought with their containing cells. The banter ended with a sudden abrupt shriek of fear. Everyone stopped and looked over. Hallie was bent over a dusty old trunk with a scowl on her face. These things creep me the fuck out. She was holding up a tattered old ventriloquist doll by the collar, as though she was afraid it would come to life and snap at her. Galloway was staring at her through the bars with an insufferable grin. Holy shit, hellfire is human after all. Fuck you, Hallie said, then glanced at the dummy in front of her, scowled and said. And fuck you too. She tossed it away with a shiver. Many of the men laughed. I didn't think you were afraid of anything, Galloway teased. This is a hell of an eye-opener. I don't like dolls, Halley insisted. And that one is an especially ugly one. Indeed, its wooden face seemed to be frozen in a contentedly evil smile. Its eyes were sunken in and dark the marbles astonishingly lifelike and its features expressive. Galloway was about to suggest that there might be wires in its body that they could use, when a voice interrupted their thoughts. That's not a nice thing to say about Mr. Crowley. Rob had returned with some bottles of water that he passed out to his captives and a notepad. His perpetual keyboard was still tucked beneath one arm. Mr. Crowley? Galloway asked Rob. He shrugged. I was big into Scooby-Doo back when my parents got that for me. It's hideous, Halley remarked. No wonder you're so fucked up. Mighty strong words coming from someone who violates people's personal spaces, Rob replied. He was looking thoughtfully at the puppet. I feel better knowing you weren't innocent in anything. Hallie shot back. Admit it, you're curious about what my computer can do. I admit it. Hallie folded her arms. The collection of prisoners all regarded Rob from their cells. I'm curious about it, too. Rob was still thoughtfully staring at the puppet on the floor. His words were more to himself than to the group that stared back. I mean, pretty much everything I've been doing is sort of as an experiment testing things out. I didn't plan for this. I didn't spend years trying to figure out how to mind-control people. It just happened one day. Kelsey was a pretty easy test that was a total accident. I was just typing up a dirty story one day, because I was lonely, horny, and wanted to use my imagination a little. Next thing I know, she's knocking on my door and throwing herself at me. Hallie had already heard this explanation, but it was more for the benefit of the group. And the more Rob explained to them, the better he felt like a weight off his chest. Everything that I type onto this computer, it just happens. Exactly the way that I imagine. It happens. So I tried another test. Would two straight girls compromise their sexuality for a lesbian romp? Rob reiterated the night he had a threesome with Lucy and Tina in the basement laundry area. Then I did more and more experiments. Would a mother throw herself at her son? Would the son do it willingly? Would a sister and brother connect over chat? Could I influence someone's fetishes? Could I turn a group of hardened officers into a bunch of slobbering sex fiends? Most of the group blushed as Rob talked about them. But Hallie's expression was thoughtful. It was all just me testing my powers, what I was capable of, and how much of an effect it could all really have. Don't give me that crap. Hallie rolled her eyes. You were horny and you got grabbed by the addiction. Like a drug, each new high was harder and harder to top, so you went darker and darker. You're right, Rob admitted. It's hard to go back to the old basics once you realize you can orchestrate literally anything your imagination can come up with. But it was two birds with one stone. Will I enjoy it? Can it be done? His eyes grew distant again as he stared at the ugly carved face of his old childhood toy. But now, I'm starting to think I haven't been imaginative enough. I'm curious about something else too. Can the computer do more than control minds? He sat down on a nearby chair. Ignoring the pleas and remarks of the prisoners. Then Rob began to do a familiar thing that made all of them inwardly shiver. He began to type. At first, nothing happened. The prisoners smartly fell silent. None of them wanted to catch Rob's attention and become the test subject of his next experiment. But Rob's attention wasn't on them. It was on the ventriloquist dummy in the center of the floor. You know, when I was a kid, Rob explained, I didn't have many friends. I never really did. Too shy. Picked on too much. Didn't trust people. I used to talk to myself a lot. My parents worried about me. So instead of doing something drastic like sending me for therapy or putting me in the loony bin, they got me Mr. Crowley. Hmm, kind of fitting, don't you think? Maybe the puppet was an early manifestation of what was to come my desire to control people. Rob nodded his head at the doll. My parents wanted me to turn a flaw like loneliness into something creative. They were smart like that. So I used to talk to the doll, and I'd make him talk back to me. We'd have conversations. My friend. He smiled sadly at the memory. But then his expression changed. It was hollow. It wasn't real. I gave up after a while. Because no matter how much we talked, it was still all just me. It was never really my friend. It didn't have a mind of its own. Rob continued to type feverishly. There was a palpable sense of dread throughout the room, as his focus remained on the puppet. What was he going to do? I mean, I can control minds with this computer. But if whatever I type happens, maybe I can do other things. Maybe I can bend reality as we know it. Suddenly the puppet sat up all by itself. Danny screamed. The officers locked in the cell with Hallie and the dummy all leapt backward, cursing with surprise. The frozen face of the ventriloquist doll grinned at Rob through the bars. It's alive! Rob cackled in delight. The doll's head panned slowly around the room, its eyes flicking mechanically in their little sockets. The mouth opened with a soft clacking sound. Hallie paled considerably at the sight of the doll moving on its own. She backed uncomfortably away, visibly afraid, but trying not to show it too much just yet. She was worried that if she really made her fear obvious, Rob would seize on that. That's great, she said uneasy. Wanna put it back to sleep? The doll twisted face locked onto Hallie. His animated eyebrows waggled up and down at her suggestively. I think Mr. Crawley likes you. Rob commented with a laugh. That's great, Rob. Seriously, though, make him knock it off. The doll clambered clumsily to its feet. It wobbled like a baby fawn learning to walk, but it stood. Hallie backed up until her ass pressed against the wall of the cage. On its feet— It stood nearly three feet tall, almost up to Hallie's waist. Everyone watched in horror as the inanimate object took on an impossible life of its own. The sight was unnerving. The dummy's smile never wavered as it toddled clumsily toward its intended target, its arms outstretched. Seriously, Rob. Keep this fucking thing away from me, before I drop-kick the shit out of it. Hallie threatened. Although she looked genuinely unnerved. Her eyes were big. Her chest was rising and falling her back was pressed to the cage. Think you could hurt it? Give it a try. Rob smiled. There was a darkness to his face that nobody liked, as though he was enjoying tormenting Hallie. Alvarado stepped in and gave the dummy a firm kick. He almost lost his balance and toppled backward. The dummy did not move at all. It didn't budge. It kept right on smiling at Hallie as though it wasn't the least bit phased. By now both officers Alvarado and York were trying to pick up the dummy and move it. But they found they couldn't lift it, couldn't budge it, couldn't get it to change course. All right, you proved your point, Hallie commented as the dummy stepped in front of her. You brought your little golem to life. You want to stop fucking around? I think Mr. Crowley wants to play. Rob licked his lips and began to type. The dummy reached out a long wooden hand. To everyone's surprise, the carved wooden fingers flexed and moved without much grace, but they moved nonetheless. And the dummy ran his hands over Hallie's thighs. Stop that, she smacked at the hands. The dummy tilted its head and stared up at her with those cold, emotionless eyes. Let's give him a voice, Rob said. I almost imagined him to talk something like this. The doll's mouth began to move. Then a voice rolled out, snarky and obnoxious. A cartoonish version of Groucho Marx. What's up, slut? Take them pants off. What do you say? Rob snickered to himself. Stop it, Rob. Galloway yelled from her cage. Very funny. Enough's enough. Hallie looked uncomfortable as the wooden doll spoke to her. Face your fear. Rob called, delighted in himself. You wanted a demonstration on how I can make things happen. Well, lady cop, you got it. I wasn't joking, you whore bag. My wood is killing me. The dummy said to a nervous Hallie. I want to see you strip like the whore you are. Suddenly the dummy's eyes began to glow a bright red. The little wooden hands reached for her. Hallie cried out in fear. Off with those pants, bitch! It snarled in a voice from another world. That voice, and those menacing eyes meant business. That drove the point home. Hallie's trembling hands began to fumble the button of her uniform pants. Enough. Captain Graver barked from his cage. Again, Officers York and Alvarado attempted to intervene. Mr. Crowley shot them an angry look. His animated eyebrows menaced in an expression of fury, and his eyes were aglow with red fire. Rob typed thoughtfully, and suddenly the men in Halley's cage were thrown backward by an unseen force. They hit the back wall with an oof and weren't able to move. They struggled, but it was as though they were being held there. I think the boss demands a captive audience, Rob commented, and when he glanced down at himself, was a little surprised to see that he was sporting a massive erection through his pants. Had forcing these people around actually made him hard? His conscious brain told him it was the power. He was getting off on it. When he looked back to his collection of prisoners, he smiled. Speaking of demands, I have a few needs for myself. So let's have some fun, all of us. Rob went up and down the cells, gazing at his prisoners. He wanted to have fun, but he didn't want them all a sound mind, shouting threats and curses at him. Tina was first. Alone in her cell, He typed a few words, and she began to run her hands over her body. He was going to make her desperately horny torment her with her own libido. He looked around her cage at the old objects stacked around and smiled at the thought of the wild-haired exotic vixen getting creative to entertain herself with the various tools and objects scattered throughout. Moving on, he paused in front of Danny Esposito, alone in her cage. She scooted back, hoping to get away from him. Maybe he'd sold her short. She was a very pretty girl. She didn't have a pair of melons like Lucy or Tina. And she didn't have fiery hair and a wild personality like Galloway. But she was gorgeous in her own right. I'll make some plans for you, he assured her. But in the meantime, he decided to tweak her personality ever so slightly give her a more docile composure so she wasn't freaking out. Within seconds, Danny's eyes fluttered, and she took on a more hippieish everything everything-will-be-alright appearance. Ethan and Meg were next. Rob glanced at them. Meg was still in the throes of trying to resist her urges' urges that Rob had imparted into her behavior and personality. She was horny, and mostly for her son. Rob decided he was going to dial that up quite a bit. I'm sorry, Ethan, he told the kid with the crutches. You're a smart kid. Too smart. I don't want you to have time thinking about how to get out of here while I enjoy some leisure time. Rob started to type, and Meg's reaction was visible and immediate. She bit her bottom lip and let out a soft, pleasurable sigh. He was going to give her a craving for cock, the likes of which Ethan couldn't imagine. Ethan. Meg sighed out, unable to stop herself from running her hands over her body. Aye. She trailed off as her whole body quivered and her head rolled back in pleasure. Her eyes fluttered. She touched herself more eagerly. Ethan, I need you. I need you so badly. There was desperation in her voice. Please forgive mommy for what I'm about to do. Then she started toward Ethan. It would no longer matter what Ethan said or did. She was going to take him. Ethan cast a shameful glance to Rob, then at his mother, then down to himself. Just know, Rob said sympathetically, that nobody will judge you for anything you do. Not here. Do everything you've always dreamt of doing. And as Meg began to slow crawl like a sex-hungry animal toward her son, Rob smiled and simply said, Have fun. He stopped in front of Galloway next, even as the sounds of moans began to fill the room. Tina had found herself the curved rubber handle of a plastic mallet and had begun to penetrate herself, and she was being quite vocal about it. Galloway glowered at him through the bars. A little narrative to calm her down. Then he'd be back. He pacified Graver and Lucy. Lucy would revert back to her bratty horny desperation, and Graver would be trapped between fending her off and watching the defilement of his wife-to-be. The men in Hallie's cell were helplessly frozen in time, watching as the evil little puppet barked his orders at Hallie. He slapped her ass with a tiny wooden hand. I said get those fucking pants off, you slut. The puppet barked. Hallie's hands were fearfully shaking as she started to wiggle out of her military-style pants. I demanded a show, slut. Not a tremble-fest. Dance like the stripper you are, the dummy said. He grabbed her ass and roughly manhandled her to the center of the cage. Hallie looked mystified that a doll, barely half her height, was so strong and forceful. She fell to her knees. I don't know, Mr. Crowley, Rob said. I think she needs a little incentive, don't you? Stop. Captain Graver called over, although it wasn't clear if he was talking to Rob regarding Hallie, or if he was trying to negotiate with Lucy, who had begun to disrobe, bouncing herself eagerly and pawing at Graver. I think she does, Mr. Crowley agreed. Let's show everyone down here what a little slut this bitch can be for some big hardwood. The puppet awkwardly toddled in front of Hallie, and something in the dummy's pants began to grow like a pool toy steadily inflating. As Hallie began to pick herself off the floor, she caught sight of it, and her eyes widened. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Does this look like I'm kidding you, bitch? The puppet glared at her behind those evil glassy marbles for eyes. The tent in his baggy pants grew and grew. You're a sick fuck braver called from his cage, but Lucy had already managed to get his belt off, his pants were roughly shoved halfway down his hips by the college girl's incorrigible advances. She was playfully smacking his butt again and again with the belt, and giggling as she did. Rob ignored him, continuing to type. The show he was putting on would be the most intricate he'd ever juggled so far. The puppet tucked his hands into his waistband and pushed his miniature black slacks down his skinny matchstick legs. And there— Between his narrow wooden hips, it bounced and flopped. Rob had described the puppet as well endowed, but even he didn't believe it would actually work. At least not as well as it had. Because connected to the ventriloquist doll was an extremely lifelike penis. Rob had gifted his childhood toy with a cock that was a foot long. With the puppet's already short size, it could have acted as a kickstand. It bobbed and twitched. It pulsed. It was as real as could be imagined, attached to a demonic little doll. Jesus Christ. Hallie was shocked and horrified. That's right, bitch. Get a good long look at this dick. The puppet's perpetually grinning mouth clacked and moved. Hallie went to back away again, but Rob's fingers flew across the keyboard faster than she could react to this absurd development. Instead, she knelt there, staring at the animated puppet's enormous cock. Yeah? You fucking like a big dick, don't you? Mr. Crowley asked, his little feet clacking on the basement floor as he stepped in front of her wagging his member from side to side. Hallie's was aware that she was nodding, with very little control of herself. She was no longer driving the ship. Rob was. Sweep the hair out of your eyes, and take a good long look at it, baby. The puppet said, poking fun at the perpetual swooping bang that always hung over one of Hallie's eyes. She did as she was told, and fixed her gaze on it. That's the cock that's going to be violating you in front of all your friends, the puppet said. Hallie could only lick her lips. The basement was coming alive with activity. Graver was fending off Lucy's advances, but it was a losing battle. His back was pressed against the steel mesh that separated Hallie's cage from theirs, his fingers clinging, and his face a mask of shame. Between what was happening with Hallie and what was happening to him, he was visibly torn. Lucy was on her knees in front of him. Her mouth was locked around his cock, and she was bobbing her head with long slurping sucks and even longer strokes of her fist. She was moaning in high-pitched squeals. A few cells over, Ethan was looking apologetically at Galloway. Meg had shed the last of her clothes. Ethan had hobbled in circles on his crutches around the cage to avoid his sex-crazed mother. But she was faster and more agile. She had him pinned in a corner of the cell. Her fingers were laced through his hair, and she was aggressively tasting his lips, grinding her body against his. Whatever mental barriers Ethan was putting up to resist her were gradually crumbling. He was sporting a pretty impressive tent in his pants now, and the bigger it got, the harder Meg mashed her body against it. Ethan Rista looked to Galloway one last time. She was staring back with a look of betrayal and sympathy. It's okay, she said wordlessly. A moment later, Ethan shut his eyes, and his tongue began to return the eager kisses that his mother's mouth was spurring from him. Tina had traded her already slutty outfit for her birthday suit. Her bronze skin was covered in goosebumps as she propped herself up against the cage wall. She'd spread out a multitude of playthings. At the moment, she was rubbing an old tattered stuffed Winnie the Pooh bear aggressively between her legs, while she teased her tongue around the handle of the mallet she'd been previously fucking herself with. One cage over, and Danny was watching it all with calm, relaxed eyes, as though she was seeing it all through the foggy lens of a relaxing dream. Only Galloway was the one without much purpose. And Rob decided to change that. He typed a few passages and walked over to her cage. She regarded him with hatred. But then her expression melted to something more malleable lust. Though she fought to resist at first, Rob saw the glassiness come over her eyes. Her tongue tasted her own lips. Are you going to be a good girl for me? He asked her. Galloway met his eyes. There was a desperate need in them. She nodded. He opened her cage door. She came willingly. It was his turn to finally have her. The men in Hallie's cell were helplessly treated to the most bizarre show of all. Hallie curiously leaned her face forward, no longer able to help it, as Rob's descriptive words turned a fiction story into reality. She flicked her tongue out across the head of Mr. Crowley's big puppet penis. It tasted like the real thing. The puppet slapped her with one tiny wooden hand that stung her cheek. I didn't say to taste it yet, you disobedient slut. Hallie whimpered meekly. I'm sorry. You're sorry, sir. The evil puppet growled at her. I told you to stand up and to strip for me. I want you to show yourself to me first, he said. To hear such a tiny creature barking such fierce commands over someone so much taller and stronger was an oddity, especially someone like Hallie. And you better impress the hell out of me. You wouldn't want me to discipline you, would you? No, sir. The words were slutty and complacent, but there was genuine nervous energy about Hallie's demeanor that might have been authentic fear. Regardless, she stood. Since her gang fucking, she hadn't fully redressed. Her jacket was off. She teased her shirt up and down her tummy for the benefit of the demonic froze expression of the talking puppet. It stood as still as a statue, watching, loving, this grown empowered woman reducing herself to this stripping for an animated toy. As Hallie popped her hips, spun around, and bent forward to shake her shapely ass at the puppet, Rob led Galloway out to the middle of the basement floor where he could fully enjoy the show. I've wanted this since we first met, he said, removing his growing erection from his pants. Galloway took one look at it, and then back up at him. They grabbed each other and began to kiss in a feverish passion, as though their plane was about to splash into the ocean. He moaned around Galloway's full pink lips. For a girl who sucks a lot of cock, you taste very good. He moaned around her tongue, as she expertly used it to wrestle his. Her mouth tasted of strawberries. The hardness of her muscles was obvious as her body pressed against him. She felt powerful, and smooth, and like she could do wild things to him. Galloway's only response was to reach down a sudden eager hand and grasp Rob's growing boner. She used the palm of her hand to rub him in fast rough circles. He moaned, already thrilled that he'd finally ensnared this beauty. If she kept up like this, she could easily become his new favorite. Enough with the ass shaking and the stomach teasing, ya hussy. Mr. Crowley's sharp voice was barking and chattering from Hallie's cell. I want to see some tits, and I want to see them right now. His little arm shot out at lightning speed and gave her another slap across the ass. Both of her buns jiggled in her fatigued pants. She yelped and jumped. She spun back around to face him, ignoring the urge to rub the sting on her behind, or the urge to cry. His sting had brought tears to her eyes. Hallie only felt an overwhelming urge to please this evil little golem. Yes, sir, sorry, sir, she said, and started to pull her tank top up over her head. She'd put her bra back on, but that would change. Never forget that you belong to me. The puppet snapped at her. I won't, sir, she said, feeling enslaved by this ugly little monster. She swallowed, keeping up with her strip tees, twirling the tank around her like a scarf, moving it across her neck and shoulders before letting it drop. She moved the straps of her bra down either shoulder, teasing her perky breasts into view. The tops of her pink nipples began to peek over the edge of her cups like the rising sun cresting the horizon. And never forget that those perky titties belong to me, too. The puppet drove the point home by reached out and giving them another sharp and painful slap that made Haley whimper, and her knees tremble. Do you want to suck at them, sir? She offered with a shaky, unsteady voice that was very unbecoming of Haley's strong, dry personality. How the fuck can I do that, you moron? Mr. Crowley insulted her right back. I don't have a tongue or lips that can move. Hallie looked dejected, hurt. On your knees, he ordered. Hallie dropped complacently to her knees, and the puppet stood before her, his head at chin height. Despite his insults, the dummy leaned forward and took her nipple into his mouth. It wasn't warm, wet, or soft like a real mouth. His mouth was hard-carved wood. When he opened and closed his lips, he was only able to pinch and pull at hard nipples. It hurt but the sensation sent chills through her body, like little bolts of electricity. Hallie moaned, sweeping her hair back behind her ears and unhooking her brow, letting it drop onto the dirt floor as the dummy latched on and violated her tits with his crude little mouth. She leaned back and thrust her tits harder into his face, as Mr. Crowley bent over her. He feasted on her nipples, each nibble jolting her with the kind of sharp pain that only a dry pinch could bring. She reached out one groping hand, feeling for his cock. Hallie wasn't the only woman in the room seeking out the hard reassurance of a big swollen reproductive organ. They all were. In the center of the floor, Galloway had unbuckled Rob's pants and removed his hard penis. There wasn't a snarky comment from the bold and unabashed young officer. No joke, no dry insult, and no hesitation. The moment she saw his erection, she plunged it deep into her mouth to the back of her throat and began to suck greedily on it. Rob was pleased with himself. Oh, Officer Wild Sherry, I regret not doing this with you more often, he moaned. You're very talented. He glanced up and spotted Ethan watching him from his cage with envy in his eyes. Not that Ethan was in a position to complain. He was sitting on the dirt floor, his pants around his ankles his mother had practically ripped them off. She was kneeling between his legs, bobbing her head and pivoting her hand all around his cock as she sucked him. Her playful bouncy hair pulled up in his lap and her hips swaying from side to side like a dog wagging its tail. In fact, Rob said, staring Ethan in the eyes as he spoke with Galloway, I think you could easily replace Kelsey as my favorite. I think you ought to move in tomorrow and we could become live-in lovers. Ethan was hating Rob in that moment, but his eyelids fluttered. Meg's drool was running wetly down her son's cock as she sucked in uncontrolled desperate lust. Delicious wet sounds were coming from Graver's cage as well. The once-proud captain was staring in shame at the young lady who was gobbling his erection. She wouldn't let up. She took him down her throat until her glasses pressed into his stomach. Her hands caressed and kneaded at her huge milky white tits, mashing them together, squeezing them, massaging and pinching at them. A streamer of drool clung to graver's balls and traced wet lines across Lucy's luscious tits. Eventually she popped off of his cock and stroked him several times before kneeling higher and teasing her big tits along his soaking wet dick. Graver's mind was still aware, but the lust had clearly set in. He was going to let her do these things to him. Because despite the situation, he was still just a man, and he was horny, and presented with the perfect opportunity to have wild animalistic sex with a buster red-headed schoolgirl. Rob couldn't begrudge them that. He couldn't begrudge any of them. Well, maybe except for Hallie. The filthy slut wasn't even fooling around with a man. She was violating herself with one of Rob's childhood toys. The little doll was manhandling Hallie's chest by now. She was leaning back, sitting on the heels of her boots. It was quite a sight to behold. An engaged professional woman of law enforcement was surrendering himself to the sexual advances and harsh instructions of what was basically a horror movie type of toy. She was gasping, whimpering and biting her own lip as the little dummy nod on her hard nipples. His tiny wooden hands gripped them from either side, jiggling them harshly, slapping them around. There was a clumsiness to his movements that made the act look all the more twisted and nightmarish. And restrained to the wall, her men watched on, the audience in her fucked up display of submission and degeneracy. Hallie's hands were locked around the puppet's cock. She was stroking him suggestively. I bet you felt a lot of cocks, you filthy slut. The puppet said disrespectfully to her, around a mouthful of her hard nipples. But have you ever felt one so big? No, never, Hallie admitted with a quivering voice. It's huge. And it's going inside of you, you big-ass slut. Now get up, and show me the rest of you, you fucking cocktease. It smacked her on the side of the face. Hallie whimpered again, but Rob's narration on his computer had made it so she liked it. Her backbone was gone. She was now just the submissive little cock-hungry slut that she deserved to be. She climbed to her feet and unzipped her uniform pants the rest of the way. She turned her back to the puppet and showed off her ass. Sashing her hips as she did. Do you like it? she asked, desperate for approval. I've seen better. The puppet replied and smacked her on the ass. Mm mm, yeah, smack that big donkey ass, he mumbled before running his stiff fingers along her thong. But I'm going to fuck you all the same, bitch. Because your men are watching, and your future husband is watching, and it's important that everyone know who you really belong to. He slapped her again. Oh. Yes, sir. She cried out letting her pants drop the rest of the way to her ankles. On your knees, bitch. The puppet slapped her so hard that a small red handprint appeared at the tender spot on her thigh just below her butt. He gave her thong a firm tug and practically yanked her to her knees. It's not easy being short. You bring yourself down to my level, from now on. Hallie grunted. Yes, sir, she said weakly. On her knees now, she clutched the cage in front of her, lacing her fingers through the wire and holding on tightly, supporting herself. The puppet clattered into place behind her, and wagged his cock, smacking it off the insides of her smooth thighs. Hallie grunted, panting in anticipation. When she glanced over her shoulder, she spotted the evil wooden face of the puppet. His grin was unchanging, his eyes hard and staring. His eyes, mouth, and brows moved with fast mechanical clicks, driving home the fact that there was nothing human about this walking talking nightmare. She was going to fuck a puppet, or rather, a puppet was going to fuck her. Well? Mr. Crowley glared at her. Beg for it, bitch. Beg for this big fat monster, cock. He ordered her. Hallie shut her eyes. Despite her raging hormones and her dire need to submit, to have every urge satisfied by this creature, there was still a very real sense of shame and humiliation to what she was about to do. Please, Mr. Crowley. She said in a voice that nobody who knew her recognized. She, least of all. Please fuck me. Push that big fake dick into me. Use me however you want. She shook her ass. She wiggled her hips. She licked her lips. She wanted it so badly, she could feel the juices running down her inner thighs. Was she actually leaking at the thought of what was to come? Fuck me any way you want. All day. Every day. I'm- She couldn't believe what she was about to say. The irony as it came to her. I'm the puppet. She said and her cheeks reddened. Use this fuck puppet however you want. Throw me around. Choke me. Put whatever you want into wherever you want to put it. It's all yours for the taking. The puppet's face, while moving and grinning, never gave too much away as to whether she was pleasing him with her words. But all the same, his mouth clacked and he let out a long, humiliating laugh at her expense. Take notes, all the rest of you sluts. He sang out to the other women in the room, although most of them were indifferent, focused on their own distractions. That is how you beg for dick. He slapped her ass once more, making Hallie cry out. Then he spread her cheeks, and without the least bit of gentleness, a puppet, barely three feet tall, made of wood and wires violated Hallie's pussy in a dirty basement, in front of everyone she cared about and respected. His big fake cock sank deep into her body, and she let out the highest and most girlish whine of her life. Then the puppet latched onto her hips, and he began to hump her. You like that fuck puppet? Yes, she cried out. You're the real puppet. Say it. He demanded in that snarky, obnoxious voice. I'm the real puppet. I'm the fuck puppet. I'm your puppet. She grunted each time he withdrew, then pushed the dick back inside of her lips, spreading her open and penetrating her to new limits of what her body could accommodate. In the next cage, staring back at Hallie's face, contorted in pleasure and colored by her own embarrassment, her future husband watched. Only he was in no place to judge her. Because as Hallie was being roughly fucked by the clumsy, wobbling movements of a ventriloquist dummy, Captain Graver was on his knees behind Lucy's big bouncing ass. She was moving her hips back and forth into him, her pussy swallowing up his throbbing manhood. Each time he sank his unprotected cock into her body, her ass shook. And each time it shook, she squealed in delight. Fuck me, Riley, she insisted, panting, and bracing herself on the cage in front of her. Fuck me like you love me. Graver bit his lips together. He hated himself and the personality that took over Lucy, but her pussy was just too good to resist. He fucked her harder and harder, hearing the sound of her big, heavy boobs slapping together as they hung over the dirt floor. He and Lucy were staring right back at Hallie and Mr. Crowley. Lucy locked eyes with Hallie through the bars. This is my man. She barked at Hallie. Get that straight, you puppet fucking slut. You have your new guy. This is my dick from now on and I'm going to fuck it all the time. Morning, noon, and night. Do you understand? Hallie whined as Mr. Crowley plowed her with unrelenting supernatural vigor. Yes. She cried out, even as the puppet brought her to orgasm. Yes. I understand. Call me mistress, and say it again. Lucy was insistent in that annoying way that she had. Yes, mistress. He's yours now. I can never have him. Hallie could barely catch her breath. She was being fucked relentless by an evil grinning machine in a cheap doll suit and bow tie. Glad you understand, Lucy said and leaned upright on her knees as Graver fucked and fucked. Lucy mashed her huge tits against the cage wires in front of Hallie's face, until her tits resembled a tied-up Hatfield ham. Lick them, you dummy fucking bitch! And Hallie once again obeyed. She pressed her face to the milky white tits that squeezed between cage wires, and she licked at Lucy's smooth white breasts. Lucy squealed in delight as Hallie's hot, wet tongue found her nipple. Oh, Riley, she's really doing it. Look, Riley. Look at what a dumb slut she is. Graver saw it, grinding his teeth at the annoying childish way that Lucy spoke. Everything was becoming feverish not just in the way Lucy behaved, but all of them. He sensed that something was unfolding, building up, and he was powerless to stop it. Hell, he couldn't even stop himself. He hung on tight to her jiggling ass and watched his cock disappearing into her wet folds again and again. Each time it emerged, he was coated with a thick layer of her wetness. And the sight of his fiancée the strongest and most independent woman he'd ever known now wedged between a walking talking sex toy and licking desperately at another girl's tits. Graver had never dreamt anything this wild could happen to him. Maybe this wasn't so bad after all. Maybe he could get used to this. What was he saying? This was unspeakable. But knowing that didn't stop him. He reached around Lucy and cupped her huge melons, holding them up to Hallie's mouth. Lick these tits, you big baby bitch, he said to her, unable to stop himself. The debaucherous sounds of feverish sex were all over the basement now. A few cells over, Ethan and Meg had evolved from a blowjob to full-blown incest once again. Ethan was on his back and Meg was straddling him. I love you, Ethan. Meggie was panting as she was riding her own son with unnatural energy. The fast up-down-up-down movements of her petite body were ceaseless, with no sign of stopping. His cock was vanishing between her juicy but cheeks again and again. He was dumbfounded that this could be happening, but it was. She was caressing his face, alternating between kissing her son making out with him in passionate long wrestling matches with their tongues and whispering loving coos to her baby boy. Mommy loves you. It's okay. It's all okay. We're both feeling good and as long as we're both feeling good, this isn't bad. This is more than okay. This is how it should have always been between us. Her words were droning on and on. Ethan's fearful fingers were raking through the dirt of the floor. He knew he was enjoying it. He knew he was turned on. But he also knew he wouldn't be able to stop this, not anytime soon. In fact, he was sure that if he came right now, his mother would keep going. She would continue to ride and ride until he was erect again. That was a question that nagged at him as they fucked on the dirty basement floor. How long would they be at this? Forever? Would Rob make them fuck forever? Would his mother ride him and ride him and ride him? How many orgasms would she course out of him? How many was he even capable of? Ethan had a deep and terrified feeling that he was about to learn. Several cells over, Tina was having the time of her life. The exotic college slut was putting on a one-woman show she progressed from fucking the handle of the tool to now grinding herself on the seat of an old mountain bike. Her moist lips left a trail of wetness across the seat and her juicy but bounced up and down as she grinded her hips, swayed them from side to side, made little rotations with them. She was horny beyond the capacity for rational thought. In the center of the floor, Rob took Galloway. Her pants were off. She was on all fours like the animal that she was. Rob had mounted up behind her, taking a moment to admire her figure. Full pink lips to match the ones on your mouth. He'd remarked as he probed her now-presented body. When he slid his cock into her, it felt like it always belonged there. A wanderer who'd found his way home. Ah, yes, he sighed with pleasure. Galloway moaned back and leveraged her body to fuck herself on Rob's penetrating staff. Who's a good slut? Rob asked and gave Galloway's firm ass a hard slap. He felt like it stung his hand as much as it stung her. Me, she cried out happily. Yes, you are. He gave her hair a tug and her ass another slap to spur her into motion. The fucked on the floor like animals. Rob was an absolute delight as he admired his kingdom, his domain. He'd created this. An orgy of absolute debauchery. Even the sight of Hallie and the puppet was wild beyond imagination. But something was missing. He gazed at the lone cell where Danny Esposito sat, in an almost stupor. Such a shame that she had nobody to play with. She really was a glamorous-looking girl. He decided that she too needed a plaything, and as he looked at the nightmarish puppet of his old childhood toy, now very well hung, and punishing Hallie for being a nosy little bitch, he realized that he could conjure up anything. Literally anything. Slow down, Wild Sherry, he said to Galloway, and she did. Her movements and sliding hips became slow and sensual, methodic. He rested his wireless keyboard on her back, like she was a table and then he began to type. The basement was still alive with the sounds of group sex. Lucy and Graver were going at it like bunnies. Graver was on his back and Lucy was bouncing on his shaft like a kid riding a hobby horse. Her red curly hair was flying and her tits were spinning in wide arcs from her unrelenting movements. Graver was on his second orgasm now. The college slut hadn't even slowed after she'd worked a load from his balls and into her body. Now she was building him up for another. He moaned helplessly from the dirt floor, too far gone to do anything but enjoy his fate. Hallie had submitted herself completely to the monster from her nightmares an evil puppet with perverted intent. First, Mr. Crowley had fucked her up against the cage on all fours. Then she'd pinned the little doll to the floor and ridden him, much like how Lucy was riding her man. Then the doll had ordered a blowjob, while Hallie enthusiastically delivered. That was all a prerequisite because now the ventriloquist doll was going to squeeze his giant cock into her tight little asshole. Hallie's moans of pleasure and pain roared above the rest for a brief moment as she sat down on him. Then she was riding once again while the puppet made dark and disparaging remarks about Hallie's promiscuity, body, and person. All the while, her men were forced to watch this side of their boss that they'd never seen, and probably would never again. Ethan and Meggie were in the throes of dark and regretful passion. Ethan had Meg on her back now her feet on the floor, her knees on either side of him. She caressed her son as he fucked her. Ethan kept looking around, assessing the situation, but he was making no move to stop fucking his mother, having given up his resistance long ago. There was something passionate and almost loving about the way they went at it. They weren't fucking. They were making love, in as true of a sense as a son can make love to his mother. Tina, well, it didn't matter what Tina found to pleasure herself with. It wasn't enough and would never be. That only left one matter unresolved. Galloway and Rob stopped fucking entirely. She had become a table to rest his keyboard on as he concocted his latest creation, Danny's New Lover. And Rob waited in anticipation for it to finally appear. At first, they heard nothing over the chorus of moans, whimpers, screams, and dirty words being broadcast throughout the room. Then, little by little, they heard the thumps on the boards above their heads. Rob smiled to himself as they grew heavier. Louder and more ominous. Dust rained from the ceiling. The house began to shake on its very foundation. It sounded like the approach of a giant. Ethan, the only one of actual sound mind lately, may have cast a concerned glance to the ceiling, but otherwise, he was enraptured with the quivering urges of his mother's body. Then the basement door opened and he descended. A moment later, and a shadow so immense filled out the doorframe into the room. It had to stoop and duck to fit in the storage room with them. In a voice so deep that it rumbled throughout the room and shook the wire in the cage frames, it called out, Danny, your lover is home. Rob smiled. Ethan looked up, horrified. Danny, under Rob's control, smiled in an expression of pleasure and love. Hi, Bill. I've missed you. Only it wasn't Bill. Not the real one, anyway, and not as he looked in real life. What stood before them all was an eight-foot tall, stare-infused monstrosity that barely resembled a man. He had to walk hunched over like an ogre from a hellish dungeon, to keep from bashing his oversized square head on the rafters. His brow had been distorted to resemble a caveman, and his jaw was squared and jutting like Frankenstein's monster. It could have been Bill, if Bill had been subjected to some sort of military super-soldier experimentation. He was now as tall as a Sasquatch, and as muscular as a gorilla. His arms bulged with muscles the size of beach balls. Veins popped out on them, running from an impossibly thick neck all the way down to hands that could palm a watermelon. He was naked because clothes would have been impossible for him to fit in, or for the convenience of Rob's imagination, perhaps. But between thighs that were tree trunks swung a cock as thick as a branch. Rob had gifted this monstrous creation with a cock that rivaled a baseball bat. It was throbbing and pulsing. Veins shone through it, like the ones coiled on his biceps. He strode toward his sister with hunger in his eyes. It may not have been the most creative thing that Rob could have concocted for this occasion, but his cock was also half buried in the soaking wet snatch of his sexy and powerful neighbor, Galloway. And she was able to do things with her body. She was squeezing his manhood tightly with the muscles of her pussy. The feeling was wildly hot and pleasant. Rob's brain was no longer functioning with any degree of deliberation. The best he could do was to combine man and beast into one massive creature like a super villain straight out of a Batman comic. Bill, back from enduring a military experiment gone wrong. And to create that image, Bill drooled dumbly at the sight of his sister, and his cock lifted and dropped like the muscles of an arm. Ethan's eyes popped, even as his cock sank again into his mother's womb. He looked at Rob with a pleading shake of his head. No. I'm sorry, kid, Rob said softly. I know you like her, but I neglected her for too long. Time to make up for that. Bill, I've been waiting for you for so long. Danny said with an eager, trembling voice. Bill grunted dumbly. Danny I the eye. He snarled and pushed his way into her cage. The door bent on its frame and the lock popped. She squealed with joy. Come and take me. I want you so badly. She jumped into her brother's arms, and he scooped the slender college girl up easily in arms that were as big around as her whole body. Then she was kissing him. His head oversized in relation to hers, and his mouth nearly tripled the size of hers. Yet she planted her inviting lips on his and slid her tongue around to taste him, making a play to wiggle it into his mouth. Bill reciprocated because a moment later, her eyes widened and a muffled whimper escaped as his big sloppy tongue filled her mouth. Danny hung on, folding her arms and legs around him. Enticed by Danny's kissing, Bill stomped further into the cell and pushed Danny up against the nearest wall of the cage. They made out hard and fiercely. Danny's hands went behind her, to the cage wall. Where she folded her fingers around and hung on Ethan stared up at her back From where he lay between his mother's thighs And despite the situation He reached up, slipped his hand through the bars And squeezed Danny's hand From somewhere, deep down Beyond all of the mind control and the spell Danny the real Danny must have sensed him Because she squeezed back They held hands Even as the brother and sister kiss went on and on For what felt like hours They were both panting Fighting to catch their breath Eventually, Bill lowered Danny to the floor, and still, she held Ethan's hand, even as she scooped up Bill's monster erection in one hand. She gazed up at her brother's nearly unrecognizable face as she brought the bloated horse-like head of his penis to her lips. Then she opened wide and took him into the warm embrace of her mouth. It was a struggle to even fit him in, but she was determined to try. Danny's cheeks bulged out at the massive size she was sucking on. The bill monster groaned his approval and began to buck his hips into his sister's mouth. She struggled, but her lips never let go. She let him fuck her face. She bobbed her head. When his shaft hit the back of her throat, she choked, but she powered through it, nonetheless. She couldn't stop, and neither could Ethan. Ethan's hips continued all the while, pushing his member in and out of his mother's needy body. She moaned her approval at what her son was doing to her. Ethan's fingers interlaced with Danny's. They squeezed and squeezed. Much like his appearance, Bill's movements became animalistic, unrestrained and uninhibited. He pinned his sister's head to the wall, and he rammed his cock in and out of her gaping throat. The chain-links of the cage walls rattled violently as he head bounced and bounced. Her eyes were wide and tearing up as he used his own sister's mouth for his sexual pleasure. He was grunting and snarling. Streamers of drool ran from the corners of his mouth, landing on his sister's upturned face. His big, heavy balls swung in a pendulous blur. Thick, throbbing veins ran against Danny's lips and tongue. She could taste the salty spunk as it flowed from the tip of his cock. She could sense the overwhelming instinctual need he had to mate, to pass on his genes, and Danny felt it too. Even as he choked her with his cock, made her mouth a portal of pleasure just for himself, Danny moaned. She moaned long and loud, a pleasurable lusty sigh. Bill caught it and moaned back in triumph. The vibrations that Danny's mouth sent up his shaft fueled his lust. He couldn't restrain himself after only a short while. The bill monster would have his sister, and have her again and again. He withdrew his cock from her mouth and nearly shredded her clothes, tearing them from her slender runner's body. Her long bare legs, flat tummy, and small perky tits came into view as she helped her brother shed the last scraps of shredded clothes. Naked beside the monster that was her brother, Danny looked delicate and brittle. Then the hulking beast grabbed his sister, cupping her round heart-shaped ass, and lifted her into his arms. Oh, Bill! Danny cooed, wrapping her legs around the monster's narrow waist. She could already feel his massive cock, like a looming presence, just inches from her womanhood. He was going to take her, and with a cock like his, it was going to hurt at first. Her hand still clung to Ethan's but her free one fished for Bill's cock. It was bigger around than her own wrist. Then she guided it to where it belonged her own soaking snatch. Once Bill's head came to rest in the right spot, Danny's arm reached around her brother's neck and she was kissing his monstrous face once more. They held each other like that for a moment, Danny's excited wetness seeping onto her brother's animalistic cock. But the teasing grew too much. Bill's rough demeanor kicked in and suddenly, his sister was powerless to stop him as he grabbed her and thrust her down onto his engorged reproductive organ. His cock penetrated deep and fast. For a second, her mind registered nothing. Then there was a flash of searing, unbelievable pain. The impossible side of his dick nearly split her in half as he sank himself all the way inside of her in one easy thrust. But then there was Ethan, squeezing her hand through the bars, and she squeezed back. For several moments, Danny couldn't draw in a breath. Her body had forgotten how. Finally she remembered, and she cried out. Oh my god! She shut her eyes and bit down on her brother's shoulder. Oh my god! Bill, you're so big. The feeling brought tears to her eyes. Then Bill held her slender body and began to violate her against the wall. Oh god! Oh god! She cried out in between thrusts. Each new bounce was a new flash of blinding pain. But Bill didn't stop or slow. He grunted and snarled, and he fucked Annie again and again against the wall. Her head was swimming. Her eyes were seeing stars. For a moment, she thought she might pass out. But then the feeling of pain began to subside. Even a skinny body like hers could acclimate. And soon pleasure began to roll in against the withdrawing pain, like the push and pull of the tide. Pleasure started to win out, and soon Danny's cries turned to moans. Oh my God! Oh my fucking God! Danny's legs tightened around her brother's waist. The beast man, true to his nature, Pounded her body like the wild beast that he was. Danny's pussy hugged his shaft tight as the monster sank into her, again and again. Danny felt like her insides were being shoved around. She was being fucked with an organ that was the size of her arm. It was a wonder she could take it at all. Was this doing damage to her? Was it ruining her for realistically sized cocks? She had no way of knowing. But all she did know was blinding, dazzling pleasure. Ethan's hand hung onto her, and she held his. But she threw her head back and howled in delight, even as the next thrust sent a brilliant and quivering shock to her body. She was having an orgasm. Oh fuck, she was coming on Bill's cock. Yeses. She hissed out in her tiny frail little squeaky voice. Her hair flew down around her face as she kissed her brother. His balls slapped against her little ass. He held her up as though she weighed nothing at all. Danny wasn't aware of how many orgasms she had in that position alone. All she knew was that by the time Bill set her down, she was hoarse from moaning. She faced Ethan's cage, and presented her ass to her brother, a trophy for the taking by the strongest warrior in the tribe. Bill stooped to line himself up with her, then he was back inside, plunging her tight pussy with a cock so large she was positive she'd never go back to normal. Beneath her, Ethan continued to fuck his mother, but now he was staring up at Danny. And God help Danny, despite her overwhelming attraction to Bill, She found that she wasn't thinking about the unnatural sex with her brother when she was looking at the neighbor boy with the crutches. They both hung on and continued to let their bodies and the madman with the keyboard drive them on. All around the room, it was happening. Galloway was a mindless sex worker to the man who fucked her doggy style. Hallie was the fuck puppet to a horror movie toy. Captain Graver was at the mercy of a once quiet roommate that had transformed into a sexual crazy brat. Everything had spiraled out of control, and maybe it was all okay. What better way to spend the rest of her life than surrounded by unrelenting sexual pleasure? Danny bit her lip and gave in to the feeling, even as the massive, towering monster that only sort of looked like her brother peeled her away from the cage wall, laid her down on the floor, and continued their never-ending mating ritual. They all had a feeling it wouldn't be stopping any time soon, so they may as well have fun with it. Out of town, they sat for a long time in complete silence. Their tea had grown cold, as had their blood. You're worried, she said, chewing her nails. For the first time in weeks, nothing had been held back from her. This time, she knew the truth in all its brutal, painful, and heart-wrenching details. She'd been apologetic ever since, even though he had assured her again and again that none of it was her fault. She wanted to believe that she had been the victim of a crime. But somehow, she couldn't shake the nagging feeling that it had somehow been her fault as well. I'm worried, he replied. He took off his glasses and used his shirt tail to clean the lenses. They weren't returning his calls, which was unlike them. Especially in a situation as precarious as this. They were all sitting on the edge of disaster, threatening to topple in at any moment. Now it felt like the final slide into oblivion had begun. But more concerning than anything involving the phones was the cameras. When he'd last checked, the entire camera system of the apartment had been disabled. Combine that with the lack of communication and he knew something horrible had happened. I'm sure they're safe. I'm sure they all came together, and figured it out that it's probably over. She put on an encouraging smile that didn't match the worry in those big doe-like eyes. He couldn't take it any longer. The speculating. It was all just a waste of time. Without a word, he stood up, resolved in his decision. You're going. It wasn't a question. But the worry was very obvious in her face. Tara Jane Berger's eyes started to tear up with a mortal panic that she might never see him again. Chris Berger smiled at his wife. It was neither reassuring, nor was it a happy smile. He was using these final moments to wear an expression that he would want her to always remember him looking calm. He took a final few moments to savor her. Pretty little TJ with the wild golden hair, the sun kissed skin, the big starry eyes, and the perpetual calmness in her voice and her demeanor like a careless child dancing in the sun. She was even wearing her favorite color yellow. If I don't come back, just know that I love you. He kissed her upturned mouth. Then he was grabbing for his keys. A while ago, he had promised himself that Rob would pay for the things he'd done. It was time to make good on that promise. Continue in the next part.